Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Beginning next month, the state of Alaska will allow all-terrain vehicles on public roadways with speed limits below 45 miles per hour. But that may not be the case in all Alaska communities. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it took a step toward opting out of the state's new rule. ATVs are not currently allowed on roadways in Sitka, and Sitka's fire and police chiefs want it to stay that way. They're concerned that opening the roads to the off-highway vehicles will increase the risk of fatal accidents. By opting out of the new state code, which takes effect on January 1st, the city would maintain the status quo. During public comment, several Sitkins spoke in favor of the state's new ATV rules and asked that the Assembly give ATV users a chance to use the local roads responsibly. The ordinance to opt out passed on a 4-to-1 vote, with Assembly members Rebecca Hemshoot, Crystal Duncan, Dave Miller, and Tor Christensen in favor, and Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis opposed. But the vote was just a first step. The ordinance will come before the Assembly for a second reading at its December 28th meeting. We'll have more coverage of last night's Sitka Assembly meeting on Raven News tonight at 518. While Sitka remains in high COVID alert, Juneau has dropped to moderate, meaning vaccinated Juneau residents are no longer required to wear masks indoors, although it's still recommended. Juneau's Emergency Operations Center dropped the city's COVID-19 alert level to moderate on Monday afternoon, citing a reduction in local COVID-19 cases and an increase in hospital capacity as reasons for the change. Juneau has a population of just under 32,000 residents. Officials reported four new coronavirus cases on Monday and 56 over the past week. 77% of Juneau residents 5 and up are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Private businesses in Juneau can still require masks regardless of vaccination status, and masks are still required in all city buildings as well as on the bus. All other precautions are still in place. Indoor gatherings are limited to 50 50 people or fewer. Bars, gyms, and waiting rooms are at 50% capacity, and restaurants must ensure social distancing between dining parties. A regional effort to support indigenous-led conservation and economic development in southeast Alaska says it's closing in on its $20 million fundraising goal. Seacoast Trust, an initiative put together with $17 million seed money from Sea Alaska Corporation and the Nature Conservancy, announced on Monday it's received an additional $2 million from two philanthropic organizations. The donations come from the Anchorage-based Rasmussen Foundation, and Edgerton Foundation, based in Los Angeles. The Southeast Sustainable Partnership, a decade-old effort that runs projects in towns and villages across Southeast Alaska, will coordinate the Seacoast Trust projects. Financial oversight of the Seacoast Trust comes from Spruce Root, a Juno-based nonprofit with ties to Sea Alaska. Skagway officials have filed a lawsuit lawsuit against the state redistricting board claiming it didn't follow state constitutional guidelines when it put the borough in a house district with Juno's Mendenhall Valley. As KHNS's Mike Swayze reports, Skagway takes issue with Upper Lynn Canal communities being detached from their current house district that includes downtown Juno, Douglas Island, and the community of Gustavus. 
the redistricting board opted to change Skagway's House District on their final redistricting map in early November. For about a decade, Skagway, Haynes, and Cluckwan have been aligned with downtown Juneau, Douglas Island, and Gustavus. But if the board's final decision holds, Skagway's House District will include Auk Bay and the Mendenhall Valley instead. Skagway Mayor Andrew Cremata says the redistricting board ignored testimony from Skagway residents. It was relatively obvious that the redistricting board did not listen to the overwhelming majority in this community to remain in the district we've been in along with downtown Juneau. Not only that, but we had a unanimous assembly. We were very clear that they wanted to remain in the district. Cremata says Skagway has far more in common with downtown Juneau than the Mendenhall Valley, which is a more modern sprawl around Juneau's airport. Not only do we have, you know, uh, an economy based on cruise ships, just like downtown Juneau, but we're also linked historically with downtown Juneau. A lot of the buildings that were built during the gold rush and, you know, historical buildings and our histories are shared. We don't have any of that with the valley. In October, Skagway's assembly sent a letter to the redistricting board asking for a town hall meeting so that the concerns of residents could be heard. The board didn't come to Skagway but set up a Zoom meeting online. Skagway assembly person Deb Potter was on that video call. Every single person basically said the same thing, agreed with, you know, we have these socioeconomic um, common interests with downtown Juneau. Only one person spoke in favor of grouping us with the valley and Auk Bay. But when Potter went to look on the redistricting website for the minutes of that meeting, she says after hours of searching, she couldn't find any mention of those concerns. I could not find one <laughs> single bit of evidence that Skagway even ever gave testimony. And so under the direction of the borough manager, municipal staff and the municipal law firm of Brenna, Bell and Walker crafted a lawsuit alleging multiple violations of redistricting code. Filed last Friday, the 10-page legal complaint alleges the map chosen by the board was never made available for public review or comment. It also calls the redistricting board's decision to change Skagway's district arbitrary and irrational. It goes on to list several common interests between Skagway and downtown Juneau that aren't shared by the Mendenhall Valley and Auk Bay. Skagway is not alone in its legal challenge of the redistricting board's final map. The city of Valdez, the Matanuska Susitna Borough, and individual plaintiffs in Anchorage are all challenging the new maps in court. Historically, legal challenges to redistricting maps are commonplace. The redistricting board will hold a meeting on December 15th, with legal challenges being addressed in a closed executive session. Reporting from Skagway, I'm Mike Swayze. The number of large cruise ship passengers arriving in Juneau this summer was down about 90% from an average year. And even though it's not as much as usual, the city still has some revenue from the per-person tax it collects from cruise ship passengers. As KTOO's Bridget Dowd reports, city officials are trying to determine how to spend those dollars. Juno gets money from cruise passengers through a variety of state and local fees. The reason we do this is cruise ships are different than other businesses in town. That's city manager Rory Watt, who says the city is asking for public input on how it should spend funds from its $5 per person marine passenger fee. If you took that cruise ship and you said instead of a multi-thousand passenger ship, it was actually a hotel. The hotel was full every day of the summer and people came in and out. 
we would charge the hotel property tax, but we don't charge the ship's property tax, so we have this different process. Over the course of a normal summer, Juno sees about 1.2 million large cruise ship passengers. This year, with tourism and the cruise industry still reeling from the pandemic, only about 125,000 of those people made it to the city. That means revenue from passenger fees is still down almost 90 percent from an average summer. And due to a court settlement with the cruise industry a few years ago, there are some limits on how that money can be spent. But Watt says it's usually used for a mix of services and infrastructure projects. We open up seasonal restrooms and we hire crossing guards and we pay for uh, visitor information services that coordinates a bunch of volunteers and we produce maps and signage you know, so people can find where they're going. Once people submit their ideas, Watt will draft a recommended list of projects. Then there will be a 30-day public comment period before it moves on to Juno's assembly for final approval. City departments and members of the public have until January 3rd to submit their proposals. In Juno, I'm Bridget Dowd. Seattle's Virginia Mason Medical Center got half a million dollars from the Rasmussen Foundation to fund virtual access to specialists for Southeast Alaska patients. Rasmussen Foundation President and CEO Diane Kaplan says the pandemic raised the profile of telemedicine. She said that's useful in Southeast when patients can't travel. And what our grant will do is expand virtual care for Alaska patients, and particularly many of the specialty areas where patients normally would have to travel back and forth uh, between Juno in Seattle to access the services of a specialist and then get the follow-up care that they need and tracking. The program will start with cardiology, medical oncology, that's cancer care, and vascular services or vein care. Patients will be able to access specialists in Seattle from their homes. We do very, very, very few grants outside of Alaska. I can count them on two hands that we've ever done. Uh, But this one uh, was the type of thing we would do if there's a service being provided to Alaskans. The money will go to technology and training for the Seattle Hospital and its Southeast partners. Virginia Mason CEO Dr. Gary Kaplan says the hospital had long ago identified the need for these services, but now the technology has caught up with the demand. And this is gonna help us improve access, which will improve quality, improve outcomes, improve functionality for people, people will be happier because they're able to access uh, uh, certain uh, types of specialty care that they couldn't access in their communities. Kaplan said this is likely to accelerate the rate at which Alaska patients can get appointments with their specialists. Those who typically travel to see their cardiologist or oncologist should expect